Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. I feel like we're just like, we're a hundred feet down now, you know, like yeah. we went deep, mm-hmm. but you we didn't climb back out, record it, just stay down here. <laughs> yeah. In the depths. Uh-huh. How do we, how do we get out of this hole? How do say we get some, out of the depths? Say something deep, Mets. Ah, LaCroix reminds me of the cross. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Wow, isn't that amazing that anything can remind us of the cross? Isn't that deep? (laughs) (laughs) I was going to suggest that we play some tunage for the listeners. I don't know if it... I I think it didn't come through last time. Did you play it last time? I feel like I did, but it doesn't make sense that it would be audible to us and not to the listener. Man, oh man, I really hope that the listeners can hear this. (laughs) It's a very groovy beat. Just some of the groovy stuff we're doing over here at Three Dogs North. <laughs> yeah. Where can people find you? <laughs> nice. Well, what's going on, guys? Good Sundays? Great Sundays. Outstanding Sunday so far. Um, I don't know that there's anything to talk about with it, but I told you guys beforehand, we're digging out some of the college students and focus missionaries we're digging out some old dugouts um, on church property here that are, I, we, our best guess is they're from like the 1950s. And so they're totally overgrown, but wow. the dugouts are still in there. And it's, it's pretty fun. It's pretty exciting. Like <laughs> the old being used again, it's becoming Did you new. find the dugouts just like in a nature walk or something? Um, and these no, aren't dugouts could... in the literal sense. Like you were, when you said that yeah. first that you dug them out, I thought you were she diggling. Like no, good distinction. Um, they're like backstops with benches. For- yeah, there's the old, the original backstop. And then um, when I say dugouts, in a sense, they'd just be like a, think like a lean-to type roof with um, uh-huh. like benches under underneath. Um, just like classic Americana era. You know, I think the church literally let the city use their land to like have a baseball field before they built the park and the ball diamonds in town and stuff. Hmm. So like we found the old like water fountains and um, that are in ruins now. Actually, my dad and I had found those a couple months ago. We walked back there and kind of started to map out like how we could get them dug out. Wow. And everything. So, so do you have chainsaws and tools and stuff? Yeah, just like loppers. And um, I have a gas powered chainsaw, but we just did. We just actually used a battery powered one. There's a couple mm-hmm. big trees we're going to try to take down in the next couple of weeks, but all the other stuff, it's just it's just like hedge, you know, more so mm-hmm. than than big trees. Um, just like a fun Sunday project, a worthwhile thing mm-hmm. of um, simple community. It, w- it was like low key, you know. I mean, there was like eight of us, nine of us is all just kind of messing around. Um, Creating order out of disorder. Well, and like, no, there's no like, there's no goal here. It's just Mm -hmm. like, let's just dig these things out and like maybe play some wiffle ball or softball when it gets warm. That's it, man. Um, And like, don't want to repair them perfectly. Like that's still kind of overgrown in there. We're just getting them usable. Right. 
we're going to make a sign that says Our Lady's Sandlot, and we're going to put it on the old original backstop. Oh, yeah, dude. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty fun. Um, so You're not the, into that kind of stuff at all, are you, Rob? No, no. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. Actually, describing it, yeah. Um, so it was great. And then I just started, um, I think tonight I'm going to have a low-key evening, and I just started the book... Um, they're short chapters. I think I read five chapters yesterday, but I started Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. Oh, so shout out to Maria Fitzgerald for giving me that book a while ago. And um, yeah, it's I I'm very intrigued by I've never read Jane Austen, but I'm looking forward to it. I think we talked about this before, but I think you mean Jane Goodall. Mm hmm. Yeah, it, <clears throat> that's yeah. yep. Is it? And it's I F. Think Scott. Jane Austen was that band in the nineties. Uh huh. Is yeah. that what it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I've actually I've never read Pride and Prejudice, nor have I seen the movie. I've and never so, seen the movie. Same, same. I can't even give a spoiler. No spoilers here. Which is a little disappointing. Actually, I can't. I know a spoiler from it, but I won't <laughs> say because I, I I read it in high school. But oh, dude. Yeah, I think oh, I was too wow. affectively immature. Okay. To, to appreciate it at the time. Okay. Mm. Okay. But there I, is a little. There is kind of an M Night Shyamalan twist. Oh. In it. Whoa! What? Really? Not quite. Not quite. Tale of Two Cities twist, but. <sighs> wow. Got some English that. drama. Okay. Very so, cool. Yeah, it's making to be a. Pre- wild evening in these parts. <laughs> so that's my that's my point. That's what I'm trying to say. There. You got any double dark chocolate Milanos or what do you think? Uh, I don't have any left. Um, well, you can go to Schnucks if you're willing to pay Schnucks prices. <laughs> I may just do that. Um, so anyway. I got um I did a talk at the Faith Hope and Charities men's Lenten breakfast yesterday with uh, a new listener, John Iberly, who's a now friend of the podcast, friend of the Newman Center, friend of my family from way back. Um, his daughter was at my sister's age. And uh, yeah, he asked me a little while ago to do this talk for the men's group. And um, I sent him my, I must have sent him my bio and included the Three Dogs North factoid in it. And uh, he's been listening. And as the gift he gave me for doing the talk, he was a bag filled with dark chocolate Milanos, like little <laughs> individually packaged ones. And I got to eat them all before Ash Wednesday because I'm giving up sweets. But um, That will not be a problem for you. I don't right. think it will be. <laughs> <laughs> what what will be funny. your companion piece with the Milanos? So Rob's got uh, Pride and Prejudice. What do you got? I've been meaning to watch the new Mother Teresa documentary. I think I mentioned that before we got recording. Uh I think it's called No Greater Love. Mm-hmm. But I've kind of I've always been kind of scared of Mother Teresa to be honest. Like she, her life intimidates me. Like yeah. just her like she could beat you up or yeah. <laughs> that, but also I'll give you an example. Yesterday, yesterday I was in the grocery store and I was wearing my clerics with the collar clipped, so very clearly a priest except my beard is starting to cover a little bit my collar. Um doing some grocery shopping and it was a busy time. It was like afternoon on a Saturday and um, I was doing the self-checkout and I heard this guy yell 
as people who maybe struggle with mental health or addiction kind of yell in public places in a way that where you're just like, Ooh, this guy's, you know, it's just not a good, you know, you're, you're in a city situation. This is why they have security guards. Like I just got the vibe, like my heart reacted like, Ooh, and I just had a sense he's going to see me. It almost felt like he was yelling at me, although I think he was yelling at for help from the staff or something like that. And, um, Sure enough, so I, my anxiety level went up, and uh, but anyways, then I just I had my bags of groceries and stuff, and I started walking out. And as I'm walking, I heard, "Hey, father! Hey, father!" And you, you know, when a homeless person does this, it could just for me, it makes me react interiorly. Um, like I don't want to be lied to. I don't want to be used. I don't want to have my priesthood used as a weapon against me that now I have to be stuck in this person's kind of world, um, for a little bit. And I don't know, it always makes me feel this like tinge of guilt and shame. Um, that like, I'm not willing to stop. I don't want to stop and get caught in your crap, you know? Um, and fortunately I turned and I, at first I was resistant. I'm like, Hey man, I'm in a hurry. Um, and he, and he kind of, the other thing is like, there's an anger to it, you know, like you're yelling at me in a way that's really not kind. Like, um, it's like you're using the name father to pull me like a dog on a chain. Um, you're not like actually talking to me like a human being. Um, but I turned and he, and he, his coat was all muddy and he, he kind of said it in a way that didn't make any sense, but he was. I got the sense that he's just like somebody had thrown him down or something in the dirt and he, he didn't like being treated that way. And, uh, he was maybe high or drunk or something like that. So he couldn't talk very clearly, but he just like his, in his eyes, there was this sadness. And I just said, I'm sorry, man, I'll pray for you. And then he got quiet and turned back and we left. Um, I still had a little bit of that shame that like, ugh, I just didn't want to interact with that person. Um, and I think I often, maybe it's just living in the city and seeing a lot of homeless and there's a tent city not far from here. Um, it's just that like engagement with that kind of poverty and that kind of cross section of humanity, the truly untouchable, you know, people who are, people just don't want to be around or would rather pretend they don't, aren't there. Uh, it just seems like mother Teresa is so radically went to them, you know, um, and was willing to be affected by them in a way that I, that I resist. So, but at the same time, I, I want to know her. Um, I know her, I love her sisters, the mother, the missionaries of charity here, I've become mm -hmm. close friends with them. Um, but yeah, I'm just afraid. It's almost like I'm less afraid of Jesus than her because she's just so dang real. Like it's this, she's in, from our time and place in a place that still is just as torn up by poverty. And the way she responded was so generous. But I also think it's interesting that she, didn't she take her name from Teresa Lisieux? Mm -hmm. I talked about that with PSR this morning, actually. Yeah. Talk more about it right now on 3D, 3DN. 
I think that's it. I mean, I think that (laughs) she took her name from Therese. um, Because, and it's something, I can't remember even the whole um, story of why it's Teresa and not Therese, like why why she chose Teresa. Um, But it's not, it's not Teresa of Avila. I think it was specifically Therese that she took her name after. Mm -hmm. Um, And just the notion of, of the little way, but um i don't want to derail what you're saying i'm just curious and not that this is spiritual direction or anything like that but i'm just curious like yeah is the because i think when i hear that this and this is just how my brain works that like this is yeah my own neurosis and in a lot of ways but like i'm intimidated or like i get caught up i think in my lesser moments of being intimidated by the success that she quote unquote had Hmm. like that's what i'll get caught up in thinking of Uh, you know what i mean of so i i'm in i'm curious of um like when you say that rob what do you what do you mean by that no i yeah i don't mean like it probably intimidated is not the right um word of um well more the successes what's that but more like her successes, like what exactly? What oh, are you thinking of I there? mean, just the, like honestly, just like the fa- the fame that she mm-hmm. she had, the growth of the order that she yeah. had. You know what I mean? Everything yeah. like that. Um, <clears throat> I just get, and, and so yeah, intimidated. It's not the right word. I'm ha- I'm having trouble maybe articulating what I'm actually trying to, um, uh, to say. Like it's kind of like how I relate to her in in some way of like it, my brain again in my lesser moments I'll get caught up in like is this growing or worry about numbers or things like that gotcha, gotcha. and I'll believe the lie well like if I was as holy as Mother Teresa things would grow hmm. or like good things would happen mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to say there and so um, anyway like I did not mean to derail I don't know if that hits at all anything in you Bisque I'm just curious of like. In a sense, I'm asking you, what is it that intimidates you about her? Is a, that's a very long roundabout mm-hmm. way of asking that. I think there's certain things that um, uh, and maybe these are misconceptions on my part of like what the way Mother Teresa operated and the choices she made about the the community's rule of life. Um. Like, I don't know if this is the case, but my understanding is that they, you know, they want to be poor like the poor um, and the poor don't have access to higher education or musical uh, instrument lessons and stuff. So like sisters who love to do those things or, you know, have talents or intelligences to to go on for further studies or um that's I've heard stuff like that, that they're, you know, they, they just kind of like leave that stuff behind and they completely radically give themselves to Christ and, um, in this poverty, uh, in such solidarity with, with the truly poor. Um, now already, like I'm thinking of, I say mass with the missionaries of charity contemplatives here in Pilsen and their, the superior of their community plays the organ. So, um, clearly there's, you know, they, they still do engage their talents and their gifts and, and things that are not just like purely practical 
for the success of their ministry. But still, it just seems like why I take some comfort in the fact that Mother Teresa took her name from St. Therese is that she is so, she's just an artist, you know, she's like, she's not trying to solve world hunger. On the contrary, she's like the saint of the exact opposite direction of like practical success. Um, She simply wants to be a beautiful flower for God, you know, um, to please Jesus uh, and not, not be world famous, not. And so I suspect that Mother Teresa is the same way and that, that, you know, the things, the way she operated and, and lived were not trying to be the most hardcore for the sake of being hardcore. But th- I think that's my misconception is like these, these are like shock troops. And sometimes the way people talk about them is like that almost in this fear and trembling awe that they're like more hardcore than anybody else. Um, and I think that's my, that's my wound is like, I, I am not hardcore enough. I'm not, I just don't have what it takes. And so she makes me feel that way. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's, yeah, that makes sense. I, I definitely understand what you mean. Um, well, because a lot of her interactions were just so visceral. And we've talked about this a couple of times in uh, interactions with the, with the MCs and either in Haiti or yeah, it's celebrating mass for them down in Atlanta. And the, the places that they choose to go is, is like you said, the untouchables. So like in Atlanta, they have a house where they take care of HIV AIDS, AIDS patients. And um, it's like, um, nobody wants to go there. These are the people that society cast aside in this particular city. And that's exactly who they chose to, to care for and, and love on. And you go into some of those rooms and it's like every sense is stimulated Mm -hmm. that there's something going on here. And so it engages like all of your humanity, just with this very tangible experience of the, the quote unquote marginalized really, truly. And, uh, and then you couple that with, um, you know, am I going to be safe here? Like bring a bigger dude into it who might not be in his right state of mind. There's a lot that comes into play there and it's just super duper uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. And I think what she does is she's just able to enter into that discomfort, um, in this really remarkable way that can be really scary. It went 100%. I, it, it is a bit intimidating to try and say, I'm going to engage um, downtrodden humanity with the intensity that mother Teresa did uh, as a poor person with the poor. Um, you really have no lifelines there. You're like, you're totally dependent on God. And I think that's why it's mm. so intimidatingly scary. Um, yeah. So I don't know if that, uh, if that resonates at all with you, but that's definitely what I feel. Um, and especially with like aggressive, I mean, I've had a couple of encounters down in Atlanta and even in Chicago, helping with the Franciscans up there, um, like large aggressive males. Um, it's, it's totally shocking and it, uh, it's, it's a pretty terrifying thing. Um, and I'm a big guy, you know, and it still like sets off the alarms, 
Um, but to allow people to give them permission to, in a sense, like violate what would be a normal boundary, violate what would be a normal space for any other human being. Um, like the way that you're interacting with that person is, is not the norm. It would actually be considered pretty taboo and yeah, a violation of people's personal boundaries. But she was, seemed to be almost inviting of it, which that does intimidate me a lot that that's that's a I don't know how she does it I mean I do theoretically but like internally there's a lot of discomfort that you have to uh there's a phrase in in wrestling that my siblings will use they say get comfortable being uncomfortable and so you got to like wrestle in all these weird positions and if you aren't used to being uncomfortable then you want to scramble out of it really quick and it'll actually get you in a worse position where you can get pinned and somebody can score points on you. So you have to get comfortable being in really uncomfortable, like contorted situations there. And I'm not good at that. I want to uh, de-scramble and make myself comfortable as quickly as possible. So that does intimidate me. Same. Yeah. Concur. The word comfort is interesting because... Um, I was thinking about that recently with, um, the mother Mary Francis book. I read about the Beatitudes, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Um, she talks about the root comfortare or fertire is like to be strong with. And basically Hmm. what Jesus is saying there is that, um, you will be not, you won't be alone in your grief and you, so that you will have the strength to suffer. That's what it means to be comforted, comforted is given the strength in communion to suffer well, to drink in the cup of suffering instead of wallowing self-pity or trying to escape the suffering. Like you can truly mourn, you can truly feel sorrow, but not be overcome by it. Um, and so I think, I mean, we equivocate a little bit with comfortable, like you're not, it's JP2, you're not made for comfort, you're made for greatness. Um, the kind of comfort we're talking about, like in modern Western society is like the complete absence of, of suffering or even boredom, um, like constantly medicating our, the, our existential solitude, um, never actually entering into communion, but just more and more solipsistic pleasures or distractions. Um, and I think what mother Teresa and all the great saints, particularly in, in her, just like the kind of, I mean, I think of just Calcutta, and just like the trash everywhere and the stench and the um, the poverty, the disorder, the chaos of it. It's just, it's like uniquely, it's, there's some, in my mind, like some romance even to St. Francis jumping down from his horse and kissing the leper's wounds still, even though leprosy is so gross and, and St. Francis, that was like the most disgusting thing he could do. And to him, it became sweetness. Like still there's something about like the medieval, you know, gallantry of it that that seems a little bit more attractive than mother Teresa choosing in the 50s and 60s to go down to calcutta and dig people out of the gutter um there's something so like in like just repulsive about that state of being and the kingdom of god is so different the way i imagine it um the order of the beauty um the dignity of it uh, but so she's chosen to suffer, 
but she's she's comforted all the time. You know, she's a woman of the Beatitudes. Um, and I think that's why Eucharistic adoration is such a, such a huge thing for both the active and the contemplative order. And, and even the fact that there is a contemplative order that she, you know, has an, a, you know, total 50% of the missionaries of charity. I don't know if it's in equal parts, contemplative and active, but uh, there's a whole branch of it that's just praying for the actives, you know? Um, so that's another thing that I like I'm comforted by is that, is that, um, what she was up to was not solving world hunger. Um, it was not any sort of worldly end. The goal of what she was doing was communion with God. Uh, this is her, her way of, of slaking Christ's thirst, being with him, was being with the poorest of the poor. So what was driving her from the beginning was a desire to be with Jesus. And where she rested at the end of her day was in that in the company of Jesus, not on her laurels of like, look how good I did today at being a, a philanthropist. So there's that part of comfort, you know, like there's the discomfort, getting comfortable being uncomfortable. It's like, can you realize that that the Lord is with you? Or do you, do you realize that he is always there, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, even when you are in Haiti, you know, um, in danger, in all these places where it's like physically I am not comfortable, but deeply I am. And of course, we know Mother Teresa didn't even have that comfort, like yeah. spiritually, because she was in darkness for so long. But um, somewhere deep down, she was in communion with Jesus, uh, like deeper than basically anyone else on earth. Um, yeah, and it's though. interesting. I I mean, she's, she's not all, every sister is the same. They're all unique and like they're, they're awesome. All the MCs. So I'm, st- I'm talking about specifically MCs now. And, uh, you know, I kind of asked the question, it's like, and I don't think this is the right question. That's kind of why I want to caveat it. But, um, there, I think there's more to mother Teresa and I, I don't know exactly what it is, but that then we're able to articulate cause I, I've never met her personally, but I, I do feel like there's a part of me that would be afraid to tell her about, my interior life or something. Cause she'd be like, hmm. come on, dude. Are you kidding me? Like you're a priest. And, but the deal yeah. is I know that's, I'm pretty sure that's not true. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, and all the MCs that I, that I've ever spent time with are so encouraging and joyful mm. and grateful. Um, and, and like for the most part, very personable, but they, they are not, um, they're not spiritually intimidating. They're very spiritually disarming. And so it's like, well, there's also another component to Mother Teresa there. And I do think she was particularly firm with her own sisters. And that was out of probably duty and responsibility that, that she felt uh, obliged to found this order in a specific way. And they are stern. There's there's absolutely some some firmness, a lot of firmness there. But... Like, what do you think Mother Teresa would say to you? I guess is the the question. It's not the best question because you can't, I don't want to read her mind, but like. And I haven't even watched the movie yet. I think we're missing a part of her, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, I think, yeah, that's the, uh, I like that. Um, 
that's that's very good words on my experience with the MCs as well. Of like, it's actually there's no there very little is intimidating, but disarming is is mm. much much more accurate. Um, yeah, I've never really thought about this, but it's interesting how um, pretty quickly, like in pretty short order, the different MCs that I've visited, like how quickly you feel at home with them, like by their welcome and by, by their joy. Um, but I was thinking of in, in that, like just the thought of, I don't know how I would word that question either, but you know, what lie kind of infiltrates us to think that the experience of meeting mother Teresa would be intimidating, you mm-hmm. know, cause there's gotta be something there. I thought years ago, I watched a YouTube video of some reporter interviewing her and um she just made him take out his hand on like his five fingers and um and she was presenting the gospel to him and it was just you did it to me mm-hmm. like and just just like that is that even five you did it to me yeah um <laughs> and like that was the gospel in in her mind and she was like super at ease and and joyful and um yeah like disarming it's just interesting like that video i think of her in watching her with that guy disarming would be way closer than intimidating right yeah and you know i mean stuff i've read of what she said when she came to the west was you know that our spiritual poverty was was deeper than the the physical poverty that she was encountering. And that's in your guys' reporting of your experience in Haiti. I was in El Salvador for a while. You know, when you actually encounter, um, quote, real poverty, not having money or connections, you often find a spiritual richness that um, is like new. (laughs) You're not really used to seeing like the kind of spontaneous generosity and bending to reality in very flexible and creative ways that make life more charming and more spontaneous and interesting than our kind of mundane. Like we can just control our own destiny so much that our lives become so uncreative and mundane. Um, so I think, um, you know, what she would say to me, I suspect, um, would be some encouragement to love the college kids more or just to, yeah, to give them Jesus in a, in a fatherly and loving way. I've, I've thought about that somewhat in different conversations I've had with different people, you know, who I suspect won't understand the priesthood or whatever that maybe our family or whoever just like, Oh, what's, what are you up to? You like your assignment and describing like what it means to be a Newman chaplain. And sometimes the patterns of speech I can fall into about my life and my work and the people I serve can become this, this pragmatic, cold, loveless stuff. Like I'm just a counselor helping young people make good decisions. And, uh, that's not what I am. I, I truly love these kids, you know, and what I love about this assignment is that I find them easy to love. Um, these particular ones, you know, um, that God has given me and, uh, so I'm not called to go to Calcutta, you know, that, and love these abstract people who are, you know, would be more 
meritorious for me to go serve. It's the circumstances I find myself in. That's God's will for me. And that's what she would want me to do. I suspect. I suspect you were right. And <clears throat> Rabba is a cool question. Maybe what lie is kind of snuck in there that would, uh, you know, that would make us think Mother Teresa would show up <laughs> and just spiritually and just barrage. <laughs> we were all naming it in different ways. Like it it's was, true, dude. it was present in all three of us. It's, yeah. hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's one of the most radically loving people <laughs> to ever live. And I'm like, dude, if she saw me, she would just be like so disgusted. <laughs> she would hate me. Yeah. Uh, this is repulsed by my lack of holiness. And I think maybe the lie is that, um, she would love me. <laughs> That's such a funny idea. <laughs> and that she would love me just like that person in Calcutta. So the lie is like, I'm not that poor person. Mm. And she's just going to love me, man. Yeah. And it's going to look appropriate to me because I'm not that, I'm not that particular poor person, but she loved the poor, mm -hmm. like including herself, Christ in the poor. And maybe the lie is like, I'm different than that guy. I'm mm -hmm. not one of them. Kind of and that's just not true. It's just not true. But I think that's what we get in the that kind of Western uh organization of society is it does allow us to compartmentalize and section off uh portions of of real life that allow me to feel different than other people. It allow me to perceive myself differently than other people. And the the reality is that I am just I'm just like that guy. I just have different circumstances. Hmm. And it's so like Mother Teresa is going to come and love me yeah. like a poor guy. And it's going to be particular to this poor guy. But. Can we call you a poor boy? Nope. Mm -mm. I'm just a poor boy. Nobody loves me. He's just a poor boy from a poor family. Well, we should watch the movie so we have more intelligent things to say. Yeah. <laughs> I think I have actually watched that movie. Mm. Would yeah. you recommend? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I would. Um, my little sister is named after Mother Teresa, and she is just super in love with Teresa, uh, Mother Teresa of Calcutta. And uh, it, it fits her. It's like really beautiful because she's pretty strong and passionate uh, but also very loving, has a strong sense of justice and, but has like a, a deep joy about her. And so we watched it. I watched it shortly after it came out cause she was so pumped about it. And so, uh, kind of her, her in, infectious promotion of the movie wanted me, to, uh, it kind of moved me to watch it. So Teresa mania, Teresa mania, we got some awesome Teresa's man, you know, Teresa of Avila. Therese, I think fits in that vein. Teresa, my sister-in-law, Terry. Mm. Terry, your sister-in-law. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Mother Teresa, Teresa, my sister. Anna Therese, my niece. Anna Therese, big time, big time. That's all the Teresas. That I, know. <laughs> I was trying to. Any my brain. <laughs> Dude, I just cannot get that image of 
Mother Teresa coming up and just like smacking you, Connor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah. You disgust me. Yeah. Out of That's a great head. insight, though, Metz, of like, yeah. No, she's disarming because in her own freedom, like, she was able to just love the person in front of her. Mm-hmm. And she was called radically to a very particular group of people that most of the world finds it very hard to love. And she yeah. was able to do it. But what speaks to her being a saint is that when she met a rich Westerner that she recognized spiritual poverty in, she just loved them mm-hmm. <laughs> because they were the person in front of her. Yeah. That's good. That's really good. All right, boys. Poor boys. All right, Queen. You want to yes, a Queen. Little Rhapsody. A Bohemian Rhapsody. All right, we'll catch you on the flippy do floppy. Later, broskies. Bye. Follow Free Dogs North on Instagram. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.